0: as we bake under the hottest air mass we've seen so far this season in the northeastern mid-Atlantic part of the country. Of course, heat has been a big story uh, across a lot of the country and really a lot of the northern hemisphere, uh, where we are in the prime summer season and normally the hottest time of the year. I'm meteorologist Dan Skeldon with my weekly co-host, Dr. Bill Thomas of the New Jersey Coastal Coalition, New Jersey Resiliency Institute. Bill, Hey, are you managing to stay cool during this probably <laughs> uh, week-long heat wave that's going to last till, I would presume Monday before we get some relief?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'm doing okay, man. I'm up in the northern part of the state, rebuilding, helping rebuild the School of Conservation. So it's we're in the forest. We get Cool at night. It's hot and humid during the day, but you know we all grew up with this. And if you're anything close to sane, you know you just take it easy in the middle of the day.
0: Get most of your stuff done before noon. And that and that's a good advice. And of course, you know, typical hot weather advice is to wear, you know, loose fitting, light colored, lightweight clothing. Of course, I think the biggest thing is stay hydrated. Uh, you know, we talk about hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, all the, all the exciting types of weather. Heat is actually oftentimes the number one killer. Uh, you know, just a just a hot air mass and especially a long-lasting heat wave uh, can cause more injuries and deaths than, you know, than tornadoes and hurricanes and all those, uh, you know, kind of sexier types of weather that get the headlines. No, no, heat is a killer. And, you know, this is the hottest time of the year. Third week of July, uh, you know, climatologically speaking, is the hottest time of the year. Heat waves are not abnormal. We get you know, one, two, three, four—a summer. But obviously, the hot weather—you um, know—the past few summers, and probably as I issue a forecast, you know, going forward as well. Each summer, uh, the hot weather is going to—you know—be more and more in the headlines, part to our changing climate.
1: Yeah, I was going to say you hit it right on the head there, Dan. It seems like uh, every—you know—summers are getting hotter. And uh, the heat waves are coming earlier, lasting longer. Um, you know, when you look at Britain's got the hottest weather they've recorded in 100 years, it's four in Britain, <laughs> 115 in Spain. Uh, you know, it's ungodly hot and it doesn't seem to want to let up. So I, I thought it'd be interesting because, as you just pointed out, this is the trend, it's not a one off anymore. We've always had heat waves, but the trend is that we're, we're having more, they're lasting longer, and they're hotter. It looks like the climate scientists nailed it. But rather than get into that, I wanted to ask you some of the sort of proximate you know, questions like, um, you know, we're talking about a low pressure system sitting off Africa right now, feeding the heat wave in Europe. Can you explain to me and how the highs and lows come to exist and then what do they how do they you know impact
0: uh, heat? yeah i mean ultimately uh heat waves are going to be caused by you know, air masses uh, and and high and low pressure systems dictate the winds and which way the winds are going to be blowing and how fast they're going to be blowing. And, you know, just, just use, you know, South Jersey as as a little like micro example. You know, wind plays a big role in our temperature. So when the wind comes off the ocean, we are cooler. When it comes off the land, you know, we, we are hotter. You know, same thing on a bigger scale where, you know, winds help to drive uh, hot, humid air masses. And, uh, you know, the heat builds down in the the equatorial regions. And, you know, for the United States, it builds down towards Mexico and Texas and the South and Florida. And then oftentimes it will work its way in our direction when the winds are just right. Um, you know, hot air masses can sometimes, you know, originate over Western Canada. You know, you don't think of Canada as hot, but, you know, it's. There's the prairie provinces out there, you know, um, uh, east of the Rockies where, where you can have hot weather build. If air mass sits over one spot for quite some time, It you know, it, it can build just same way Arctic air masses build in the uh, winter time. So, so we look at highs and lows as far as, you know, driving, you know, not only fair weather versus stormy weather, but driving winds and driving air masses as well. And oftentimes you know, here on the East Coast, when you have the Bermuda high off off the coast towards Bermuda, you pump up the very warm tropical, you know, hot, sticky air. And then that's when a lot of a lot of our heat heat waves occur, as it was when you have that type of pattern. So, you know, highs and lows are just part of the equation we use in forecasting day to day weather, but also patterns and like this hot pattern we have going through a lot of the world right now.
1: So how does it how long does a like you just mentioned Western Canada and I was looking at western Africa last night and so how long does a, an air mass have to sit till it becomes a pressure system and and for our listeners, they rotate in different directions, correct the high is a clockwise in the northern hemisphere and the low is counterclockwise
0: correct and it's the flip and uh, is the reverse in the um in the, the southern, southern hemisphere. hemisphere, and that has to do with the Coriolis force. And right. Same thing, you know. You know, way, way I always explain it to kids is, you know, the water spinning clockwise and counterclockwise, and uh, you know, and in the and dr- toilets as yeah. bathrooms yeah. are, you know. So, I'm, you know, But yes, uh, and and that, Basically, air masses will originate, you know, Arctic air masses will originate over Canada. And oftentimes, you know, big, hot um, air masses can originate over the habitat of Africa and then work work their way in. And just think of air masses as big, big bubbles of air, hot, dry air, hot, humid air, cold, dry air. And, And these air masses just basically out of the globe is hot right now, there's always spots that are cold and vice versa. When we're in a very cold pattern, there's always spots that are warm. You know, Alaska is very cool right now. And you think, wait a second, Alaska so is supposed to be cool. No, they're, they're actually uh, quite cooler than average. Uh, you know, southern hemisphere is having winter right now. There are, there are colder than average air masses down there, uh, but definitely the heat is dominating the northern hemisphere right now. Uh, you know, in the northeast U.S., uh, our corner of the world, we've escaped a lot of it. You know, it's, it's been one heck of a summer you know, central U.S., southern U.S. Uh, we This is our really first, and as not a fan of this stuff, hopefully only taste of it.
1: If we escaped it because the upper atmosphere, the, what we always call a jet stream, moved it uh, out of our you know area that is either above us or below us.
0: Yeah, usually when you have when you have a hot air mass, when you have like a heat wave going, you have a big ridge of high pressure. It mean, it means you know sinking air, sinking air warms, so it means warming air, air that's getting hotter and hotter. And, and that ridge has been over the central part of the country. So we're on the on the other side of that ridge, our air our for a lot of the summer. You know, you know, the Canadian Comfy is coming down and, and we held I mean the, the real hot stuff was like from Pitt's West, but, you know, Eastern PA, New Jersey new England up until this week, you know, we've been like on the, on the right side of the ridge. if We don't like heat humidity. Now, uh, you know, that ridge is over us. So, so we are hot, we are humid and we'll stay that way through Monday until the pattern breaks. Sometimes patterns, you know, are one and done. Sometimes it can be like a semi-permanent feature that lasts for like a month or two. And we'll have to see what this one brings. May and June were oftentimes cool. Uh, Obviously, locations are for a warm, a warmer than average fall. And with our changing climate and shifting seasons, I'm not sure if we've a podcast before, if we talked off, off camera or phone, if you will. But, you know, the seasons have shifted in that the, the summers last a little bit longer. And it wouldn't surprise me if this one follows suits and we have summer-like temperatures. Not like this, but we stay warmer than average, probably right through September this year. Wow, so now when I look at the
1: weather maps, it looks like the jet stream has got a more pronounced bend in it. Am
0: I correct? Well, I mean the jet stream always just like a river has has look you know rivers have bends and you know then there's other times where it's a pretty straight stretch of river you know and uh, you know I've I've uh, canoed and kayaked and white water rafted lots of them and and the jet streams are like a river of air so you know when the jet stream's flat generally that equates to, you know, pretty, uh, pretty boring weather. Just like if you're uh, navigating a flat or a straight stretch of river, uh, you know, normally it's pretty quiet. When the, when the river has lots of kinks and bends and turns, uh, that, that kayaking trip becomes a little more exciting. Same thing with uh, the jet stream, when it has a lot more ups and downs. The ups are called ridges, the downs are called troughs. When it has a lot more of those bumps in it, uh, then the weather can be a little more extreme, and the troughs it can be really uh, stormy or wet or cool, and in the ridges or those big uh, those big uh, bumps, you can be really hot or really dry. So,
1: what puts the the ridges and the bumps, or what flattens out the jet stream?
0: Well, it's just it's just the air masses moving around and those lows okay. and high pressures. So, uh, you, know, you know, they move around and they dictate where the uh, you know where the jet stream goes. And you know, in the summertime, the jet stream travels north and. If you're on the south side of the jet stream, you're normally hot. And obviously, that's where we are in the summertime. So the jet stream comes, uh, y- you know, uh, pretty far to the north. You know, the, the the main branch of the jet stream stays up in Canada. In the wintertime, it comes south. And as it does, you get stormier weather and colder intrusions. So the jet stream is like a, you know, rivers don't normally change course, at least, you know, not unless you're talking about like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that they can change course the jet stream is always shifting shapes uh, you know sometimes it it can change dramatically from day to day and week to week and other times but uh, the jet stream is always changing costs and it it's it's the big picture it's you know the the main weather driver between air masses and storms and you know that's that's the the main player and then obviously there's this uh, dozens of other sub players uh, underneath the jet stream. Okay. Okay. So if, if you're
1: watching the, the nightly weather and you see these big dips, uh, if it's winter time, you're likely to get a big blast of air from Canada. If it's summer here, we're likely to be pulling warm air up. And, you know, on the big picture, that's kind of what's supposed to happen. It just sometimes it gets a little off kilter and gets more that sounds like a deep?
0: Yeah, that, that's right. The big dips in the wintertime when there's a big trough, that's what we call a dip on the East Coast, that's when you get your storms. That's where you get your Arctic outbreaks. Um, you know, big ridges or bumps in the summertime, that's normally when you get your big heat waves and your, your hottest and stickiest stretches of the year. So it's kind of interesting to watch loops of the jet stream and see how it moves. And again, it's a river of air that circles the whole world. Um, and, and it's a river of air that steers our storms and acts as a thermostat. And those are the two main things it does, controls who's hot and who's cold and who's stormy and who's not. So that's, that's that main role of the jet stream. And there are a few of them too. Like there's the main one, uh, you know, the polar one that goes across the Northern hemisphere, but there's a subtropical one that like kind of controls moisture. And that, that's a little more down in, you know, Mexico and the Southern U S and, um, so, so, again, a lot, lot, lot of stuff to it, but the jet stream is just basically, you know, the, the main driver of weather across the world.
1: Okay, so it, it's, and this is a little off topic, but once you mentioned that subtropical uh, jet stream, so that's what's, is that part of the drought problem in the West, and is it tied to the monsoonal variations we see over in
0: India and it, It is, you know, the monsoon is how the the southwestern part of the country gets a lot of their rain or areas in Southeast Asia and and the the, uh, Indian subcontinent get a lot of their rain. You know, monsoon is all about winds and and the subtropical jet stream as well. So, you know, monsoons can be uh, make or break for areas getting all their annual rainfall or most of it in one good shot. And yes, that that is controlled as well by, um, you know, by winds and by the jet stream. And so with climate change are we seeing
1: both of these dead streams fluctuate and
0: that's why we're getting the, the more uh, dips in weather well i mean climate change is driven i mean more than anything else by just you know an increase in the uh the gases in the atmosphere which increases the temperature which changes the air masses which changed the jet stream. So the jet stream is kind of like the final step where, uh, you know, we're we're changing the makeup of the atmosphere and we are changing the, the the hot and cold underneath and the jet stream just responds to those changes.
1: Okay. All right. All right. So um, I guess the next question I have for you is, it looks like the art Alaska has got the wildfires going on right now and obviously melting permafrost. Is this part of the uh, is it the overall uh, temperature change that you mentioned, or is it a product of both temperature change and wilder swings bringing warmer weather up there?
0: Well, I mean, I think you know, cl- it's climate change is a tough topic uh, because there's kind of two fronts with it. Number one, you have to battle the convincing x percent of the population that it's even happening and then um you know you know that's one front we fight and the other fight is all right let's see you have people that that don't deny it um you know and and do you know support the uh you know follow the evidence and support the uh the notion of climate change then it's all right you know how much is natural versus how much is man-made and how how do we combat it so, so you you do fight two fronts with it. I mean, I personally think you know and and just from studying weather throughout the centuries, you know, our climate has always changed, and and that's why we've had ice ages, and that's why we've had you know, a uh, warming. I mean, I, th- there's always an inherent change. It's just we as humans have most definitely in my mind, without a doubt, sped up those changes. And it's just a matter of, you know, you can, you can squabble over percentages as to are we 25, 50, 75, 99 percent responsible. But, you know, you look at the headlines, you look at the news and it's pretty uh, it's pretty clear that, OK, our climate is changing faster than it ever has before. OK,
1: yeah, I, I just to, uh, to play off that in the sense that when you talk about percentages, humans live in a very small although we live all over the world there's a small band of conditions that are conducive to the kind of life we love you know there's not as many people at the arctic and there's very few people living in the absolute desert there's that nice band between the 40s where most people live in the world and if that changes much it's going to change things in ways we don't understand yet and part of, you know, to go back to like resilience is to understand what might be up against so we don't preclude being able to adapt and make, you know.
0: At, at, absolutely. And I will say, you know, a warmer climate is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, A warmer climate is easier to support life than a colder climate will be. And and also, you know, while a lot of it can lead to enhanced droughts and enhanced fires. And let's just use those Western wildfires as an example. You know, the West always has wildfires and the West, you know, the West is a drier climate. Why do people like to live in California? You know, because it doesn't get a lot of rain. So I, I believe they'd be in a pretty bad drought now. And they'd have water shortages now, even if there was zero man-made climate change. But, I mean, you also have to add in population and overpopulation and all these people, you know, wanting to drink and use water from the Colorado River Uh, with or without climate change overpopulation factors into it. Same thing along the Jersey Shore. You know, barrier islands have, uh, you know, withstood hurricanes forever. They're, They're barriers. They're meant to take the brunt of Uh, you know, of a coastal storm and, you know, spare the mainland, well, what do we do? Well, we build up the barrier (laughs) islands as much as we possibly can. We build New Orleans below sea level. So, so where we choose to live and how many of us are overpopulating any one area that will impact the severity of these disasters. So again, I don't doubt climate change one bit, but there are more factors that go into what makes a disaster a disaster.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh... You're right. That's the classic scientific explanation, that single causal explanations, especially in uh, complex phenomena, are rare. That is, you know, there's we're always trying to find the gene that explains a complex behavior. And as you just pointed out, well, the West has been, I, I believe, if you read Cadillac Desert, which is classic on you know, Western uh, use of water, they point out that the wettest 200 years in the last 10,000 has been the last 200 years and you and I both know that's a very dry wet season (laughs) right going back to normal this may not be a drought you know drought to me implies like a heat wave abnormal conditions it may not be abnormal it's like you just said it's a dry place we've pumped a lot of people in there that's not helping
0: Yeah, yeah it, 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 there's no guarantee that you know this could be a dry cycle and we, and we flip back to wet years, you know, because you do get active Pacific storm tracks and active Pacific jet stream that can come in and make for very rainy seasons, Seattle to San Francisco. Uh, in in the wintertime. We just haven't had that recently. We haven't had the big snows. We haven't had the snow melt out of the Sierra and the Rockies. And that's why we get the uh, that's where they get a lot of their water from. You know, in reality, you know, dry could be the new normal out there. And, you know, the, the problems could just continue to grow. And again, uh, with, with climate change, it's, you know, I, I don't think our energy is best put forth arguing over what's the cause, we just have to find the solution, you know, because uh, I mean, it is happening, no matter what the cause is, uh, these these extreme scenarios are happening. The, you know, heat waves always happen, but breaking all time, you know, centuries old record high temperatures, that's, that's rare, and that the number that are being broken in as many places that they are being broken definitely screams that, okay, uh, this, you know, this definitely needs attention.
1: Right. So that that's a great segue from you for two two reasons. First, though, I, I want to ask you one last question. And I'm not obviously a meteorologist, but I know something about nonlinear uh, systems. That is, systems that can be described with not linear math. Like that is, you know, like if if you're baking a cake, I always say, that. and you know that we tend to think if you add more sugar, it will get. Sleep- and that small part of the system is linear. However, if you continue to add sugar to the cake mix, it's no longer cake after a while, and it starts to spin into something else. And, but weather's sort of the first, where well, the first breakthroughs and understanding on were made in weather and geography. And and it makes what makes it so tough to um, predict weather, right? And Even though it's got exponentially uh, better in our lifetimes, with the data and things you guys now use, can you explain to readers why it's so tough on? A, what what the factors are that come into predicting anything on a rapid speed moving through space like this?
0: Well, I mean, the seven-day forecasts have gotten a lot better. Um, you know, there's, there's still yeah. problems sometimes with tomorrow's forecast because you can forecast, you know, ten or eleven things, elements or variables correct, but if you just are off on one of them. Uh, that, that 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 can dramatically change the forecast. Just take the seven day forecast and then you're trying to forecast for the next three decades. And instead of forecasting for South Jersey, you're forecasting for the whole world uh, what the climate is going to do. And and obviously that, um, you know, that that becomes very, very challenging. So let's say you estimate, you know, carbon dioxide is going to be you know, uh, 300 parts per million by uh, 2030, and it's 330. Well, those 30 parts per million don't sound like much, but that will have a huge change on everything going forward. So you have to accurately forecast, you know, the the makeup of the atmosphere, where the jet stream is, uh, what the temperatures are doing, and air masses and pressures and ocean temperatures. Let's say a volcano erupts in the Philippines like uh, Pinatubo and – Ninety-two, ninety-three, 93 and throws ash and clouds everywhere reduces the temperature volcanic eruptions obviously something you can't predict they can impact the weather sunspots i mean there's there's so many different things that you know you you can forecast you know 95 percent of them correct but if you mess up the other five percent your forecast goes awry really really quickly
1: Well, yeah, that's that's a good explanation that's that's just the factors that you can off the top of your head elucidate, right? There's many more almost unknown things going on that go into the
0: forecast. Oh, ab- absolutely. Like, you know, with, with climate change, for instance, you know, we, the oceans that cover 70% of this uh, planet, you know, we believe they are soaking up a lot of the excess warmth. Like what happens when they soak up as much as they can? Does the earth warm faster? Does, is there something that works in the oceans where they can continue to soak up some of the extra warmth? Like, like, again, there's so much that we know and so much that we don't know that, uh, uh, you know, I always say, you know, you take any weather forecast with caution, especially with climate forecasts, because we're still trying to understand, you know, how everything works. And, uh, you know, the only thing we get right is what's happening right now.
1: <laughs> so that brings me to the you know, concluding things. But as you pointed out, there's other uh, more dramatic, sort of a slow motion uh, disaster. Right? But it, it's this warming that we've been talking about uh, brings us to things like droughts flooding and wildfires which i'd like to talk to you about next week if that's okay so we can make the connection between this slow motion disaster that we're kind of watching happen and we can chart and then what actually happens in the small picture when things go awry
0: absolutely and remember a warming climate i think i i started on this but then um uh got off in another tangent. Remember, a warming climate can obviously lead to droughts and fires. That makes sense. Oh, boy, it's hot, it's dry. You're going to get droughts and fires. But also, hotter or air, warmer air holds more moisture. So actually, for parts of the world, it leads to a much wetter climate. And in the last 10 years, we've seen some very wet seasons, uh, you know, in in parts of the Northeast. And, uh, you know, so at the same time, parts of the world are seeing droughts and fires. The others are being buried under, you know, feet of water. Um, So it's, it's kind of a it's it's kind of a you, you get it on both ends where uh, warming climate doesn't just lead to drought and and famine and wildfires it can lead to the opposite too uh, more hurricanes more tornadoes more severe weather and more floods so really uh, just about every type of disaster becomes more likely uh, in climate change and we can touch more upon that next week.
1: That sounds great. Right. All right, Dan. Thanks.
0: All right, stay cool until then. I mean, it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid right through Sunday. Uh, you know, mid mid nineties on the mainland. Some relief, depending on the day at the shore. The ocean, of course, is one of the surefire ways to cool off. Or if you're in the middle of northwestern New Jersey, then just find a shady tree.
1: <laughs> That's me. Okay. All right, Dan. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you. All next right. Week. Have a good week. Bye bye.